Today on our Galaxy podcast, we're discussing one of Galaxy's flagship brands, Outsource to America. Launched in 2009, Outsource to America is focused on community and economic revitalization. They do this through a blend of programs and community partnerships designed to educate and retrain and employ local professionals. The goal of this program is to deliver a resilient U.S. workforce. What's interesting about this program is it started in Detroit, Michigan, and Galaxy was one of the first corporations to open an office in their downtown. Since then, the program has expanded into Hartford, Connecticut, recently into Milwaukee, Wisconsin, and upcoming in St. Louis, Missouri, and Nashville, Tennessee. So pretty exciting stuff. Joining me today, our special guest and St. Louis native, Tim Kessler, COO of MTM, and Galaxy's very own Sandeep Ngangiopade, President and COO, and Jim Dietrich, Executive Vice President, Global Delivery and Operations. So welcome to the show, guys. Thank you. We're going to go ahead and kick it right off with Sandeepan. I'd like to start with you and kind of dig into the O2A model. You know, maybe there's more you'd like to share with our viewers and um, talk about the success of the program. Thanks, Tracy. The Outsource to America program, and, um, you know, it didn't start with that, right? It start, started with Outsource to Detroit. But uh, the model that was so successful in Detroit uh, had a few specific ingredients uh, that we realized can be transposed and fungible across other underserved communities. And um, as we always say, Outsource to America has incredible uh, impact uh, socially, uh, economically, but you're doing it uh, because it makes business sense. So part of you know, what I want to talk about today is that it needs to make business sense. That's how something is sustainable. It's not an experiment. It's the way of doing business. And for us, um, what Outsource to America has brought on is uh, that a unique solution for how we do business. Um, as we have talked about in the past, Galaxy works with GX Force, which is a highly automated way of working. Uh, that automation and the playbooks associated with the automation require uh, significant experience. And so uh, one of the uh, impediments in scaling up uh, the deployment of GX Force in the industry is that you are constrained with a talent uh, that, uh, you know, uh, represented by Galaxy's workforce. Uh, 10 plus years of experience um, in Galaxy, 12 plus years of uh, industry experience worldwide, right? That's the worldwide average. How do you make that scalable, right? So uh, Outsource to America has been an incredible solution for us because uh, what it gives us is an opportunity to bring in people with the correct aptitude that we can train, that we can coach, that we can mentor. And, um, uh, you know, it helps us break the, labor arbitrage logjam. So it's no longer about, hey, there is uh, 50 people required for grunt work. And so you ship that offshore because that's where the lowest cost point is. It's not about that. If Galaxy is going to work with automation, uh, then you don't need many people, but you need people with a high degree of skill set, uh, commitment, aptitude, industry knowledge. And to bring uh, this uh, workforce, build this workforce for the next generation, it's an incredible solution both for Galaxy and for the industry. So having said that, are there, um, it sounds like this program is an agnostic of certain types of engagements or are there some that are more suitable to that model? Well, uh, I, we haven't yet found any where it will not work at all, but definitely, 
there will be certain kinds of engagements uh, where, for example, you have scale, where you are, um, where, for example, automation can play a significant role or where um, you have the correct ingredient of um, uh, commitments, whether, uh, you know, because uh, outsourced America is holistic. It's not just that we bring in 20 folks from uh, colleges locally and that's it. It's a combination of, uh, you know, the uh, administrative offices of various government uh, departments. It's a combination of, uh, you know, our clients and the commercial community, uh, real estate, um, uh, you know, uh, it's a whole bunch of different things, educational establishments and institutions, all these things uh, come together. So uh, it works best when those ingredients are in place. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, w- I would actually uh, ask Tim if Tim, you have any thoughts about uh, what works best and where you know this kind of a model can result in uh, scale. Yeah, thanks, Sandeep, and thanks for allowing me to be part of the discussion today. You know, uh, Sandeep and I have uh, gone back uh, quite a ways and have a lot of experience working in technology. So I'm I'm currently in an operations role, but most of my career has been in technology and even reflecting on my own experience, you know, I have a a technology degree, but most of my knowledge and learning came from self-teaching. I taught myself technology. I found uh, ways to make and to break things. And ultimately, I think there's a whole model here that extends beyond even just the educational system. Sandeep and I loved your comment around we gotta find people with the right aptitude. I think that's everything. You didn't say education. You didn't say you went to the right university. You said, we gotta find people with the right aptitude. And then I would add in there the right attitude. I think that's the second piece that you need. And really when I think about, you know, what you just discussed, we're now adding a third dimension, which is opportunity. And how do we create an opportunity not grounded in what school you went to or what side of the railroad tracks you grew up in, but how do we find in our communities the ability to source talent, which we need? We know that not gonna be enough technology talent this year, next year, and 10 years from now, as we become more and more automated as a society. And I love the idea of finding creative community-based ways to create a talent pool that goes well beyond formal educational processes. So I know that's not the question you asked, but I am passionate about this. You know, I was born and raised in or around St. Louis. I've traveled the globe for work and business. And I'll tell you, you know, I am passionate about the St. Louis community. I think there's a lot that we do really well. We're a very diverse community. And I think we have a lot of talents that have not fully been tapped. And, and so when I think about a program like this, I think there's just a lot of upside. To the specific question that you asked, though, around is there a place that this would or wouldn't work? Honestly, I can't think about it. I, I can't think of any opportunity that this would not work. You think about the types of business problems that we're solving today. Mm-hmm. They look fundamentally different than they did five years ago, 10 years ago, definitely 20 years ago. I mean, 20 years ago, email systems were not mainstream yet in corporate America. And you think about the real-time workflow that we're talking about, the automation that we're talking about. You know, I'm not really worried about what problems can be solved. It's can we create a workforce that has the right attitude and the right aptitude we give them those opportunities, unleash them, and let them help us solve really challenging and exciting problems. Thanks for that, Tim. I think that's a that's a really insightful insightful feedback. And um, I'd like to invite Jim to kind of tap into the discussion. Um, and you, 
um, really to talk about how does O2A encourage workforce resilience, which I think is a topic on a lot of people's minds right now, um, considering today's climate. You bet, Tracy. Thank you. Um, you know, O2A encourages workforce resilience in a couple of ways. You know, it's a program designed um, to capitalize on the best talent that America has to offer. You know, we're expanding the boundaries geographically through the implementation of GX Works, uh, which is designed to securely allow a, a work at home from anywhere across the country efficiently and in a scalable nature. So to be able to support our clients across a significant infrastructure landscape also makes that incredibly resilient. I'm hearing um, from the I'm hearing from the group um, a lot about um, it's less about where you went to college it's more about aptitude attitude and it sounds like Jim you're saying it doesn't even matter where you where you live <laughs> anymore. Correct. You're adding another piece here. It's it's not where you went to school or, or you know you were talking about people with aptitude which are all across the country and you know this is allowing us to tap into areas and, and find new talent that we traditionally haven't found. And I think that that's uh, very unique for us at Galaxy, the ability to be able to tap into skills all across the country uh, to look at you know, underutilized resources as well as fresh new talent is, is a really big game changer right now. One thing to add there is also something that's going on, uh, and uh, I know this is triggered by the current pandemic, but uh, it, it's a little bit of a wider connotation to this which is uh, people leaving uh, the various metropolises, you know, they, they, mm. they are, um, uh, we are tracking this from a resourcing standpoint uh, that a number of people, for example, our neighboring city here in New York, a uh, number of people want to leave. Um, they don't want to be, uh, you know, chock a block with, uh, you know, millions of other families. And apart from the risk uh, of infection, they don't see that value, that charm uh, in the city. They want to grow their families in the suburbs and they want to move out for a better quality of life. Uh, the cost of living is lower um, elsewhere significantly mm -hmm. and they can have a better quality of life. And so um, if you look at the best places to grow and to do business, uh, you will see uh, St. Louis, you will see Wisconsin, Milwaukee, all these places come up there's a reason for that, that people want to move out and live in places where they'll be happy and they'll be more uh, productive. And for us to be able to tap into uh, the, that talent, as Jim was talking about, right? So Galaxy has the GX Works and Jim, you can explain a little bit about what that is. But uh, to have those people be effective in providing their um, talent and being fully uh, uh, satisfied in terms of uh, the utilization of their talent, irrespective of which community they're sitting in, is an incredible um, uh, evolution of uh, workforce in America. And, I, and I, I would like to invite Tim to talk a little bit about how those prospects impact St. Louis, for example, your, you know, your own backyard. Uh, how do you see that impacting uh, St. Louis, the St. Louis community at large? Yeah, I think it's a it's a great point. I mean, I've got friends, colleagues, relatives all over the country, obviously, as many people that are listening today do. And, uh, you know, there is definitely, I would say, pandemic related fear and anxiety around, you know, being in tight knit high rise um, apartments or condominiums, you know, something you might find in, in some of the larger cities where you've got really densely populated downtowns. 
You know, it's interesting. I actually was interviewing a lady yesterday. She's originally from uh, South Dakota, but spent much of her professional career in Vegas and South Carolina and just outside of Chicago. She settled in St. Louis seven or eight years ago. And I asked her, I said, well, of all the places you've been, why, why St. Louis? And she said, you know, it's honestly, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a very um, uh, vibrant community. There's tons of things to do here. It's very family friendly. It's uh, easy to get acclimated. It's got normal, uh, what we think are normal Midwest values where we treat each other with respect. And she goes, I, I actually have had multiple opportunities to move into other big cities, including Boston and other areas. And I just really like St. Louis. So I think St. Louis has a public reputation that may be out there based on, you know, Twitter feeds. But if you talk to people that live in the city, uh, people that, uh, you know, really understand what a sense of community means to the people in this area and the amenities that we have to offer, you know, there's a lot here. And I find more and more people that used to live in bigger cities who have settled into St. Louis and, you know, they've told me I'd never go back. And so I think you're right. Um, Sandeep and I think there's a lot of opportunity as we rethink what workforce looks like and where they live that uh, you know St. Louis is consistently ranked number one in most affordable cities Uh, it's highly ranked on being family friendly with you know things like uh, we have a world-class zoo it's free we have awesome you know art and history museums uh, children's museums we've we've really got a lot and obviously as a sports city you know you can't beat our uh, still raining uh, St. Louis Blues and uh, always uh, raining or if not the next year raining uh, St. Louis Cardinals. Uh, we've got wonderful uh, city here. And, and I think what's happening is, you know, people are starting to appreciate more of the community side, more of the family side, more of, you know, sort of the city side of, of being in a, in a vibrant community than necessarily the prestige of the city name that you're in or maybe the building you live in or the, the company you work for they really are trying to find more balance, particularly in some of these more challenging pandemic times. So I'm, I'm always bullish on St. Louis. I think, uh, you know, people that have been here and lived here will, you know, say how wonderful the place this is. And people that haven't, honestly, I, we are obviously arms wide open to, to uh, encourage and uh, welcome people to our community. I think one of the things that um, we're kind of circling too when we're, when we're talking about these gorgeous communities is, and the O2A model is um, uh, the lack of commute, right? Like I moved out of, I've lived in large city, I lived in LA um, I, two years and I no, I no longer wanted to deal with that traffic. Um, and models like the moving to those small communities and smaller than a New York City or in LA or even a San Francisco, San Diego kind of scenario. Um, and models that are going to allow you to work from home and capitalize on that are going to be far more successful um, moving forward into into the rest of 2021 and 22. Jim, what are your thoughts on that? Absolutely. I, I think Tim hit the nail on the head. So you've moved to a community, to a place that you want to live, and O2A then brings the other piece of it. Now you can have your cake and eat it too. You can live in the community you want to, you, you can have the, enjoy the gracious living and, and all of the amenities that you look for in a community. But now you can also have a, a job, or you can be working as if you were in a, a larger city, in a metropolis. So the opportunities professionally that are afforded you through O2A means you can stay in your community, but you can still work as if you were in, in a larger city. And that's gotta be really appealing to folks. And that's really how we can then tap into some talent that maybe we weren't afforded that opportunity before. 
And Jim, can you also talk a little bit about how you can make that uh, community that uh, earlier was not able to perform uh, and now they can because of various technologies that uh, we are able to deploy? Sure, St. Even. Uh, you know, traditionally work occurred in an office. You went to your office, you sat at your desk, you had a PC at your desk, you relied on the infrastructure of, of the company in order to deliver. And in today's environment now, we've, with GX Works, we've basically taken that all out of play. We're doing this through the cloud. The software is in the cloud. The security is in the cloud. So really all you're bringing from home is your internet connection. You don't even need to have a large, powerful laptop or PC anymore because the power is going to be within the cloud. And that allows us to work with clients to make sure that we've got sophisticated security in place that you're not able to do screen prints or you're not able to print. Some of the things that are mandated by our clients when we're handling you know, very secure private data. And now you can do that from the comfort of your home. You can do that through GX Works, which is our, our work at home solution, securely and robustly. So that, that's a real game changer when you're looking to reach out to people in, in different areas across the country and have everybody as a resilient workforce. You actually um, stole one of my questions, Jim. I was gonna, I was gonna prompt you to talk a little bit about security. What are, you know, if you could just dig into that, what are some of the security concerns we might have with a with a work from home type environment that you're we're talking about here? Well, you know, Tracy, in in today's climate, uh, with this pandemic, in fact, affecting the whole world, it's incredibly important that we can support clients and do it securely. Um, it's put a huge strain on, on service providers, both from an infrastructure perspective and a security perspective. Mm -hmm. So being able to support clients in a work at home situation uh, while securely delivering services is essential. You've got to have a plan on how you're going to deliver in, a, in rapidly changing conditions. Today, it's a pandemic. Tomorrow could be an, tomorrow could be an act of nature or some other mm -hmm. significant event. So you know, many providers, particularly offshore, have had challenges with this. Plus, the added burden on the local infrastructure has led to interruptions in service. So, you know, when you're looking at a solution like GX Works, where geographically we're using the cloud, but we're using it all across the country, it's not centrally located. We're expanding services across the entire United States. If I can't connect to my local region, I've got the ability to connect to the Midwest or the Western region and, and still be able to do my work. So, we're replicating this environment across the entire country. Uh, we're applying our security standards, which are best, best of breed. We're, we're making sure that it's a secure environment, that we're not losing our customers' data. And that's a real concern for customers. When, when you start working uh, out of their premises and you start working out of Galaxy's mm -hmm. offices, you're working at home, they lose that ability to monitor and track and feel that their data is secure. So we're, we offer them a way to do that and they can actually be a partner with us and see how secure it is. So I'm, I'm gonna say this uh, phrase. <clears throat> so what you're talking about is this is the, the new normal. This is not something that's, that's gonna go away moving forward. This is the new way of doing business for a lot of companies. I believe it will be. Mm -hmm. Because as I said, today it's a pandemic. It could be an act of nature. It could be some other significant event. There's going to be things that come up that close offices. So I don't believe that when the pandemic ends, that it, everybody goes back to the offices and everything go back to normal. The incredible thing is that there is a symbiotic relationship 
the capability to work remotely is actually a shot in the arm for outsource to America uh, in terms of getting the underserved communities up and running and uh, people in productive jobs. And uh, I think you're going to ask Tim, I'm going to do the same, which is, mm-hmm. Tim, how do, you, how do you see that impacting uh, the areas and the, you know, the whatever exposure you have in terms of companies, communities, how do you see that impacting in the long run beyond just the pandemic? Yeah, I, I think the conversation, thanks, Andy, and I think the conversation around, you know, are we in a new normal is the right conversation to have. Uh, you know, the, the, the days of cramming a thousand or 5,000 people into an office building sure seems to look different. If, you know, uh, the, the one space I would not necessarily love to be in right now is commercial real estate. Uh, one of the things that I think most companies have, have demonstrated is that we can continue to run our businesses virtually. And then when you start to demonstrate that that's a true statement, and we've done it where I work today, we, we move lightning speed, we never missed a beat, um, you know, great service for not only, you know, my clients, but even for our own associates to make sure that we can help them through this transition, which is incredibly challenging. But we're running and we're not in buildings. We have a lot of buildings that are empty. And, and I think, you know, that, that has really created a new confidence about rethinking and reimagining even our own business model. And I, and I think there's a lot of companies out there that are reimagining their business model. And ultimately, you know, the, the question is going to be, you know, why can't you do stuff virtually? Why can't you be work at home? Work at home five, 10 years ago was an accommodation uh, it was an outlier. It's because we ran out of real estate space. And, and I think this model has flipped its head. And I don't think it's going to unflip when the pandemic's over. I, I think that the cost savings, the productivity increases um, that, you know, we're seeing and others are seeing working virtually uh, is, is, does have staying power. And I think ultimately what that's going to mean is we're going to see a significant focus now on technology technology to look at productivity of remote workforces, uh, collaboration tools, and how to be more collaborative, you know, virtually. I think there's a new technology boom that's going to happen. It's happening now. You can see it, you know, in tools like, you know, Zoom and WebEx and and other accompanying collaboration tools where you can actually collaborate virtually. Uh, I, I think this is the new normal. I think, you know, um, identifying opportunities for, uh, doing more of this will be the conversation over the next five years. I don't think it's going to be less of this. And ultimately, when you start to think about that, then the normal constraints around we've got a need, a talent need. We don't think about where the job posting is anymore. You know, we can think differently about where we source talent. How do we bring them into our culture? One of the things that's really important to us as a company is our culture. And and so culture fit still matters. It doesn't matter if you're in an office or virtually. That's going to be really important. In fact, I think that'll become more important over time. And that's part of the attitude piece that we talked about earlier. And so I do think that uh, it's going to open a bunch of new doors. I think that there are new uh, norms being generated during this pandemic time. And I don't think they're going to go away anytime soon. I think I thanks for that, Tim. Hundred uh, percent see that. In fact, in our recruiting, when we are doing. For example, right now we are working on building huge teams in Hartford and Milwaukee, and we find that when we remove the location filter, like where these people need to be from, if we remove the, for example, the Milwaukee filter and open it up to other Midwest cities, uh, it's almost, you know, Milwaukee will be only 30%. 
of the total base of applicants. In other words, twice the number of people coming from other underserved communities. So that's an incredible uh, latent uh, resource uh, that today is underserved in the United States. I think whatever we can do to get them into productive jobs is an incredible uh, achievement uh, if we can get this going. Yeah, I, I totally agree. And I think one of the things that I'm hopeful will come out of many of these types of conversations is, like I said, it's no longer about what university did you go to. I mean, you know, even, you know, um, you know, my oldest son has taken computer programming classes in high school. And uh, these classes are, they're pretty intense. I mean, they, they're, they were more intense than even my recollection of my computer programming classes in college. And so I think the non-traditional methods engaging in a community, you know, one of the things that, that I like to think about, you know, you know, my job is to make sure that when I'm in a community, not only do I work and I live there, but the community is better because I'm there and because we work there. And, and I think when you start to view companies as an integral part of communities, there is that symbiotic piece that you talked about earlier, Sandeepan, that I think the two start to invest in each other. And ultimately, we know that's a win-win scenario. Thanks. The, the other thing that we are uh, now coming across in terms of solutions, therefore, is how do you make sure people uh, are, are trust uh, the level of security and privacy that they expect within the four uh, walls of a building? So one of the things that um, Tim, we saw earlier on is that, hey, if you're going to do some op ops work or you're, uh, you have access to production data, uh, working from home is a lot more uh, difficult to control because somebody could shoulder surf, they could just come by, they could hear you talking on the phone. So how do you uh, protect that? And uh, through you know, using solutions around data lineage and uh, understanding the life cycle of data in terms of where it is encrypted, where it is not encrypted, uh, having command and control over that becomes very important. But those disciplines, we are seeing them rapidly evolve uh, with a number of solutions we are working with, including uh, GX Works, where we are ensuring that we know exactly uh, what is um, you know, obfuscated, what is not, and uh, what people can see off a screen and what they cannot. And that level of command and control allows uh, regulatory organizations within a company to be comfortable that uh, the appropriate due diligence is being done. Are you seeing some of that, Tim? Yeah, I mean, here's what I would say on, on security and security risk. You know, 20, 25 years ago, you worried about someone taking out a box of papers. You know, 15 years ago, you worried about a thumb drive. You know, the security risk continues to change. I would say, you know, in my experience, uh, you know, we're the strongest we've been in terms of a security posture, and the, but those risks continue to evolve. I mean, the, the bad actors that are out there are getting more and more creative. We're more and more connected as an internet, as an example. And, and so I, I think that, yeah, this is a, this is a daily battle. And uh, I, I think we've made great progress, but I don't think security is ever gonna be a conversation we don't stop talking about. And so I think, you know, really the, the point is that you should walk in every single day and say, we have security gaps and here's our plan to address them. Because if you don't have security gaps, then you're blind to the gaps you have. I think that's um, super, super insightful. We've discussed a lot of, kind of covered a lot of themes today. Um, programs like Outsource to America helping uh, to provide jobs in the workforce, 
um, and contributing to the spurring the economy um, through IT. It sounds exciting, activating talent that is all about aptitude and attitude. So um, with some of that um, being said, do we have any other comments we want to um, closing the loop about O2A and we've touched upon GX Works, which is a key, key element to the O2A program. And I'll flip that to Jim first. Do you, we kind of ended on a security note. Do you have any, I know that what Tim had to say was music to your ears. Absolutely, Tracy. Uh, you know what? Tim's got it right. Security is an everyday thing. And every night you go to bed worrying about what's going to happen the next day. So as a company, what do we do? We, we provide a secure environment. We put in me mechanisms in place so that when they're connecting to our cloud environment to work for a client, we shut out the outside world. So all of that outside influence and all the bad actors that are attempting to get in, they've got a direct pipeline that only goes directly to our cloud. So you're not, you're not surfing the internet at the same time. You can't open a browser when you're in, in our connection and go check the news on CNN. That, it doesn't work like that. Further, you know, we consistently train our employees. See, part of this you can handle from a technology perspective, but part of it has to be handled at the employee level. You, you've got to train your folks and have them be your eyes and ears. They have to be very cognizant of their surroundings. And that's everything we do from doing uh, fishing uh, expeditions with our with our staff where we send emails to see if they click a link and if I they didn't do fall click for that link, I didn't fall for it by the way Jim didn't but, fall but for people it. do but people do they fall for it it brings them to one of our sites and says up oh, you've been fished and your prize is you get some additional training <laughs> and they go out into our LMS and they learn how not to click the link next time you know every year every associate of galaxy not just those on the front line delivering for our clients all the way to the back end to our bookkeeping, to our human resources. Everyone goes through information security, high tech, client confidentiality, uh, data privacy, and HIPAA. We perform these trainings on a yearly basis because we need our employees to be on guard. They are the front line. So we can give them all the technology in the world, but if they're making poor decisions or they're not cognizant of, of, the, of the world around them, it may not help. So. It's a combination of the two. Um, and as part of GX Works, we have a briefcase. And in that briefcase is our, our sections that are particular to, if you're working at home, these are the things you need to recognize. You need to go to an area where you can be alone, where no one can look over your shoulder. We do talk about a lot of the, the facets of working at home that maybe folks don't really consider, but it's the best we can do to prepare a workforce that they're not sitting in our offices anymore. Thanks for that clarification. So really in wrapping up, I'd like to just ask this question maybe for the team is um, O2A is a model, Outsource to America is a model. It sounds like um, we're excited about the opportunities it brings to our community. We're excited about activating those resources that wouldn't normally have a job either for geographical reasons or just training, the need of training. In closing, how is O2A gonna help provide jobs in the workforce in the US and contribute to spurring the economy through IT? What are our thoughts on that? Well, I'll tell you this, Tracy. Um, it will help to provide jobs to the U.S. and to a U.S. workforce. You know, as we've seen, more jobs, less unemployment, it's critical for our economy. Uh, they, they go hand in hand. So mm -hmm. the idea that we can tap into both an underutilized skilled workforce as well as seek new undeveloped high aptitude talent is a huge win-win. I mean, not just for Galaxy, our clients, our employees, 
but even our country. The ability to engage communities and improve the quality of life within them while also giving our customers a resilient and highly performing workforce is a huge competitive advantage for Galaxy. So back to what we what Sandy been open with, which is doing O2A not for the sake of doing an outsource to America, but because it makes sense as a business. Tim, what are your thoughts on that? You know, I, I'm really passionate about um, this country. I'm passionate about the community that I have the opportunity to live in. We have so many opportunities that are afforded to us just by, you know, where we live. And and I'll tell you, when I think about a solution like this, the thing that that I, I think will be the game changer, honestly, is connecting with kids in high school before they know what they want to be when they grow up, before they know if they can even afford to go to college and create a path for people to believe and imagine a world that looks completely different than maybe what they see day in and day out. I've had an opportunity to work in some of our inner city schools here in St. Louis. These are some really bright kids. Unfortunately, maybe because of the, the socioeconomic background that they have or their parents' income, it's really challenging for them to even choose to go to college. But these are some really bright individuals. And so when I think about the impact of creating a program that doesn't require maybe the stringent college degree requirements, I mean, the last couple places that I've worked, I've actually pushed hard to eliminate a requirement for a college degree for technology resources. I, I think it's, it's an unfair bar and it eliminates a lot of really capable high aptitude people because of what I'll call historical credentialing requirements. And so I, I love the idea of this. I think it's, it's not only makes good business sense, I think it makes us a stronger community and I think it makes us a better connected uh, country and world. I love that. Sandeepan, do you have any more final comments? I think anything we can do at this point to commit, recommit ourselves to bringing up this talent, that's where it all starts. Uh, the solution to everything we are talking about is growing uh, that talent after we find it. And I think uh, everybody on this call and on this podcast is uh, very committed to moving that um, uh, you know, initiative and that uh, program forward. So we're all in it together. Let's do it. Sounds good. Thanks a lot, guys. Um, I really appreciate everyone's time on the call today.